This is JFM Podcast. Pleasant morning to you. Good morning once again. It's Wednesday, a beautiful one at that. And today is the 10th day in the month of March 2021. Time check is nine o'clock on the dot. Uh, Zoe, uh, good to be with you. I love what you're wearing. Blue is my favorite color, actually. And then your sneakers just, is the sneakers for me this morning. They look great. Thank you so much. You're looking amazing yourself. (laughs) And uh, well, we are your morning angels right here on your favorite morning current affairs program. Let's talk. I am your host, Zoe Machunga. And your co-host, Moreni. KG Oloni Lua. Good morning. All right. This morning, looking at vocational and technical education. That's what we're talking about. Vocational training and technical education in Nigeria. Is it relevant? Is it still relevant to Nigerian youth and to the government? Did it and does your school, did your school and does your school at the moment, if you're still in school, promote skills acquisition? And we're also asking this morning, has the federal government and state government done enough to promote vocational and technical training and do you think this can help bridge the unemployment gap is there dignity in labor for those in this area while stakeholders are pushing for more vocational and technical training they are attempting to satisfy educational needs to bolster technological development and stakeholders in education are also pushing for more vocational and technical training advocates say it will equip individuals with useful skills uh, this of course direction formed uh, focus some time ago last year uh, where we saw in uh, Oshun State it formed the 79th plenary meeting for the joint consultative uh, committee on education advocates also uh, have said that gov- have also asked government to place premium on self-reliance by establishing policies to encourage vocational and technical training which will in turn reflect on the nation's technological development. In the studio with us this morning, an expert in vocational and technical training, Mr. Ayuba Gofwen. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. You are the director, Beautiful Gate Handicap People Center, JAWS. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being with you today. Yes, sir. Now, um, let's even start uh, from the rudiments here. What is vocational education? Because I don't know if it's lost on on us Nigerians or if it's lost on Africans at this time. Uh, we, maybe we don't know what it is. Why is perhaps some, one of the reasons or some of the reasons why we're not, you know, fully focusing our attention on it. So what is vocational education? What is technical training? What are those things? Anyway, um I don't know whether I will go through the rudiments of those technical uh, definitions, but let me just say it this way, that the present 6334 system of education was predicated on vocational training. Uh, the plan then was that even if a student dropped out after the first JS3, that he or she would have received functional education that will enable him or her to be self-reliant. 
I remember very vividly the then chairman of the implementation committee of the 6334 system on the plateau, uh, Mr. Wetkos Mutigir, mm. you know, uh, emphasizing and driving this point and visiting schools and, and promises were very high. Uh, incidentally, I think I was the, either the third set or so of that system. Unfortunately, we adopted the policy, but we weren't prepared. Mm. Majority of schools never had even a single technical drawing teacher. Okay. Yeah. Uh, talk more of having, you know, um, the lab for the introductory, yeah, for the practicals. There are, you know, our, we were really not prepared. We didn't have any budget for it. We didn't, uh, you know, just didn't do much. We were not ready. And painfully, today, uh, we don't even talk about it any longer. Um, our schools, 80% of schools in this country do not even have the simple electricity. So you cannot drill anything. There is virtually nothing uh, that we can do. So I think um, technical uh, vocational education is what we missed. Mm. If we are backward today as a nation, it's because we didn't take technical and vocational education seriously. And so I think uh, we need to go back to the drawing board. We need to go back to where we missed our steps and give... Uh, you know, so much attention and focus on vocational and technical education. As I said earlier, uh, the SIS-334 system was an excellent system uh, on paper. Mm. And if you look through the curriculum uh, in JS1, you are supposed to have technical drawing, you are supposed to have integrated science, you are uh, supposed to have introductory to technology. Mm. They call it intro-tech. Mm. Yes, I remember. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so all of those, uh, if you take your time and you really pass through this process, even at JS3, you can do a lot. Uh, if you go to America, where we adopted the system from, every man has a garage in his house. Virtually every American that has gone through the American system of education doesn't rush to the mechanic or call a mechanic on the slightest mishap on his car. You know, they can mend their tires in their homes. They have a garage. They can do a lot on mm. their cars on their own. They only go to the mechanics when they have serious, serious... In fact, I can see the gap this has left because I remember mm. growing up, a lot of people could fix their cars at oh, home. By themselves, oh yes. yes. There are Americans who can tear the engine of their cars and fix it back, you know, without going to the mechanic. It's because of the system of education that they, they went through. Oh, let's, let's go back to the drawing board like you said back in the day we know that vocational education is the oldest form of education in the world and it has transformed over the years in fact in nigeria at the genesis of vocational education dates back to the pre-colonial era uh, where people adopted it to meet their daily needs in nigeria it was founded in uh, two missionary schools back in the day and interestingly it was one in the north and one in calabar that's calabar nasarawa uh, school i wouldn't go into the details of the name of the school 
and all of that. So since the then, 1930s. 1930s, yes, exactly. And uh, we've seen the post-independent Nigeria witnessed the publication of national policy on education, which favored the development of vocational education. But then again, our reality now is almost fizzling out. But then why is it important for vocational education to be infused in our curriculum, practically speaking, for at the you know educational level, whether junior secondary or senior secondary? What is the importance? Well, um, it is, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is that uh, it is the most important education that we need as a nation. As a developing nation, we would remain where we are if we don't go back to the basics, if we don't embrace technical education, if we cannot produce for ourselves what we need. You know, China had to close down mm-hmm. and they were producing what they needed. They, they were forced to consume what they produce. Now, if we come up, if we have a president who takes a radical decision of shutting down this country and say, produce what you need, mm. eat what you produce, I mm. can assure you we'll be in a deep mess. As it is, we are a dumping ground. Mm. At the time that Chinese, Chinese schools are producing functional items as practicals in their schools, we are still drawing grasshoppers and naming their parts. We are still drawing amoebas. Amoeba. I remember my, my biology teacher <laughs> oh making my me do that. <laughs> anyway, you know, we are still drawing lizards and naming the parts. And the world has gone past this stage. So, um, for me, I think that is the greatest priority. I want to challenge all governments, you know, in this country to give vocational and technical education the much needed attention. The problem of unemployment that we are grappling with right now is partly because we have not produced the right graduates. We have not produced the right graduates. Um, we, we, are, we are concentrating. Now, let me tell you a very shocking story. Mm. I have a brother here in the University of Jos, and he's majoring in animal science production. And every time he comes to me, Uncle, I don't have school fees. I need to pay for my hostel. I need this. And I said, no. Instead of me paying your fees mm-hmm. <clears throat> all the time, let me give you money to start dog breeding. But that way, you can raise money and pay your fees and then specialize. He is currently in 411. But he said, Uncle, I have not come close to any animal yet. In 400 level now, animal, um, animal science, I think, is five years. That is what he's studying. That's what he's and studying. Still hasn't and come in he has done with an animal. 100 level, 200 level, 300 level. He's currently in 400 level and he has not come to hmm. contact with any animal. Hmm. You know, so when is he going to come in contact with the animals? Now, and at the end of 400 level, he's going to go for uh, maybe six months attachment and then he will come back and write the project and graduate. You can see clearly that we are deceiving ourselves. Which affects the, the quality, the, the of, quality the of the graduate. The graduate the and, of the and that is why majority of our graduates, when they come out, they are not truly employable in the true sense of the word. Mm. So he's going to do practical. Mm. If he chooses to go to a poultry farm, he will just, you know, the experience will be limited to maybe poultry. And if he goes to a, a, a dairy farm, his experience may be limited to uh, cattle and the rest of them. But, you know, under normal circumstances, I've been to institutions outside this country, and they have virtually every type of animal. If you are majoring in animal science, you are supposed to have the dog, 
You have supposed to have goat, sheep, cattle, and all right in school, you know. And uh, but unfortunately, it is just reading, going to internet, downloading stuff, and submitting as assignment, and then you make a two-one or two-two or whatever grade, and you have never had contact with the animal. So it broke my heart when he told me this, and I never knew that was what was happening. So um, we need to reject our approach to the training that we give to the young people, the leaders of tomorrow, if we really must move. You know, you go to most of our offices today, and even the tables, the chairs, mm. are not produced in Nigeria. I hope the chair you are sitting on is made in Nigeria. I hope so. It's, it's unfortunate that, but these are simple things that we can do for ourselves. We have only one technical school on the plateau right now, which is Butex. Mm. Now, when we started our beautiful gate 20 years ago, I told my team that whoever comes from Butex should not be interviewed. Mm. So in the first three, four, five years, uh, most of our welders, our technical men, uh, we have about 80 welders in the beautiful gate. Most of the, those that came from Butex were given automatic uh, employment. They were given preferred employment. Mm. Mm. But we discovered as the years went by, mm. that the quality, even in Butex, was declining. There was more of paperwork, you know, the, 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 the real practical, the real Butex of all is not there any longer. So, um, you know, that is our band as a nation, and unless something is done to arrest the drift, Mm. We will continue to sink deeper and deeper, and the problems of unemployment and uh, you know capital flight because we will have to be taking money to countries that have taken technical education serious, and we will be a dumping ground for all sorts of things. Um, the, it's a serious issue. I've said it before here that when I was in secondary school. Almost every single student in Nigeria wore a cortina shoe mm. that was made in Nigeria. Mm. Now, I don't know how many million students we have in Nigeria. Assuming we have 10 million school children and everybody buys a made in Nigeria cortina, how many people will be needed to produce 10 million shoes every year? I mean... That is the unfortunate thing. Today we buy make in China, make in India. Uh, we go to Katako and buy. That I hear some of the things that we buy are actually practicals of students from, over from there. From there, of course. Vocational that, that, and technical that, training saying. doing is for China. But so we should go beyond draw an amoeba and label it. I mean, uh, that, that is we, we need to move on. But unfortunately, we are still back there. I, I still remember. Uh, scoring very poorly in my biology because I couldn't remember the parts of uh, what is a butterfly or, mm -hmm. or a grasshopper, whatever it was. Uh, it's unfortunate that right now we are not moving. Most schools don't have anything. The, the, we need the teachers. So what we need to do right now is to go back to the drawing board and retrain the teachers. Let's not have schools that are just under the tree. Hmm. Let's have real functional schools. Um, in most states of, of, of a developed world, uh, they have school districts. And you don't need to have schools in every little village uh, where you have only three, four uh, teachers and the remaining 12 teachers are PTA paid. 
Mm. That is another band. That's another challenge uh, of the educational system, particularly secondary school education in Nigeria. Majority of teachers on the plateau and in most states of this country are what we call PTA paid teachers. The government paid teachers are grossly inadequate in almost every school that I've been to. I have worked as a teacher. Uh, for about eight years before resigning. And I can assure you that the situation has not changed from since then. Okay. Well, um, education is a human right and a force for sustainable development and peace. Ambition for education uh, is essentially captured in Sustainable Development Goal 4, the SDG 4 of the 2030 Agenda, which aims to ensure inclusive and equitable quality education and promote life long learning opportunities for all by 2030. Now, how can vocational education address the gap in the education system? Well, um, you know, we force our students. Vocational education is so uh, beautiful in the sense that there are students who don't have flair for academics, actually. Mm -hmm. When you put them to read for two hours, that's like the biggest punishment that you have subjected them to. But you ask them to create something, and they spend four or five hours, and they think they have spent only 10 minutes. Now, we have lost out. So all those genuses that we have around have fizzled out. You know, we have compelled them to read and read, to cram and cram and cram. And that's not where the flair is. Um, we have a lot of school dropouts. I had somebody in my secondary school. is um, late now. But if you lost the key to your padlock, Mm. All you need to do is call him, and he comes, he pulls a wire, maybe from a bicycle, and he hits it around, and before you know it, he had produced a key, and you unlock whatever padlock for you, or the, you know, and, and he, he really didn't want to read. You look at his result, he will score 90% in mm. fine arts, introductory technology, nearly 100%, but that was all. You do come to biology, come to mathematics, come, come 45, 10%, and all mm. that. Now he fizzled out. He joined the army immediately afterwards, and, uh, you know, that was the end of the story. So, honestly speaking, we need to go back. Uh, we should have functional schools. Government need to commit huge, huge budget and not lip service so that we can start all over again. We have lost substantial grounds, but it is never too late. We need to rise up and produce people who will not seek jobs. The jobs are not there. Mm-hmm. The paid jobs that people dream of in school are not there, and we have to go back to be job creators. You can only do that if you are functionally Trend. You can only do that if you have the skills to offer the services. It's funny that, though, uh, um, Mr. Goffin, most yeah. times you hear about, um, you know, skill acquisition is usually government that is uh, promoting uh, most such of programs, the, exactly. such schemes. So at the same time, programs. we're saying in some quarters, they're saying government is not doing enough. Is it government that's not doing enough or people are not queuing into this? Because, I mean, we, we have to talk about mindsets no matter what when it comes to this. Most times you see that children nowadays, they just 
want to get a certificate to satisfy their parents mm -hmm. or to satisfy society. What is really in their hearts may be something else. And in some way, I almost want to say it's like vocational education or training is a calling. It's not for everyone, is it? Exactly. Yep. It has more to anyway, do you know, let me tell you, if you look at the skill acquisition that you know, is going on uh, currently. Mm. You know, people are taught how to make Vaseline, how to make pomade, how to make beads, uh, and, and those kind. These are things that they would have acquired from JS1. Mm. JS1, JS2, mm. JS3. The, there's nothing wrong with the kids can make Vaseline, they can make all these things. But somebody who went to university and read economics yep, and read uh, agri science or read whatever geography, and then you come back and for two weeks they teach you. Uh, very hurriedly how to make this Yes, I was going to ask the duration of such trainings. I mean, how effective? Yes, how effective uh, and what um, impact? It, it for Why some not even send these students to these vocational schools instead? Why not sponsor some of them, you know, to get the proper training? I mean, three weeks, I don't know. Yeah, well, as, as it is now on the plateau, apart from uh, uh, Butex in Bukur, mm. I don't think we have really functional technical schools that you can even send anybody to. Um, uh, it is for confectionaries, baking, and other things, maybe two, three months is okay. But um, like I have been approached by agencies who wanted to bring people for skill acquisition, mm. and they tell me it's a maximum of three months or even six months. And I said, no. That even the genus cannot, in three weeks, learn the rudiments of welding. You know, to cut the pipe, to make a door, to make... Those kind of trainings used to take about three years minimum. If you were not going to the formal education and your father sends you to learn a trade, it is minimum of three years. Then you have a graduation and you can start up something. And that is why, if you look at the numbers that is being churned out by agencies like the ITF, and it's huge. Mm. But if you look at our streets, where are the graduates? Mm. You know, majority of people who did uh, poverty alleviation trainings and the rest of them, they give you huge statistics. Every year they churn out numbers, but the people are not nowhere to be found because they have not received enough training. They have not been properly drilled. So you're saying that most of the intervention programs that are skill acquisition do not give the, full benefits the, to the they participants? Are, they, they are ad hoc in nature and they are too crash. The programs are too crash. If you are going into business, it's a world of competition. So you need to be properly groom you need to equip yourself uh, for you to compete very well uh, um, for instance uh, for our people living with disabilities we had the vocational center for the blind in Zawang and there is a vocational training center for the physically handicapped along Zaria Road and it used to be excellent uh, in those days mm. today everything have you know kind of fizzled out and I, I, I tell them every time that if you leave this center, nobody's going to patronize you because of pity. Mm. Nobody's going to say, oh, this lady is blind, let's patronize her. No. People are going to come to you because you will give them the satisfaction, because they will get value for their money. Now, mm. if you are not well equipped, if you are not properly groomed, 
you would definitely know that you can make it out there in the competitive world of business. So that has been the biggest challenge. But these things can be properly done in the school system, that you can make Vaseline as a practical, that you can produce uh, you know, all the aluminum windows and the burglary proofs, those can be done right in school. If you had a good introductory technology teacher and you have a good laboratory, you have power to power your generator and all the equipment, you can do a lot. You can go to just JS3 and you have been groomed in your technical drawing, you can design a house. Hmm. You know, you can make bricks as a secondary, as a JS3 hmm. student. Brick let's, making. let's also look at another challenge okay. now. At the salary and service benefit paid to technical education teachers in Nigeria, it's about the lowest in the world, which further hmm. discourages anyone who say, okay, I want to, you know, be a part of the system to teach, to give out my own knowledge. So how do we walk around that? And that, that is the, that's another. Uh, I mean, what what is the percentage of people who are willing to teach in these technical schools that are available? Well, you know, um, we really don't have a lot of them. Mm. We don't have a lot of them because, as you rightly said, the pay is so discouraging. Except for those who have taken teaching as a calling in which case they will take their eyes off the temptations of going to more lucrative ventures. Uh, the teachers are not there. We need to train more people in the technical um, you know, education so that we can properly uh, build the next generation. For my generation, uh, it's, it's, it's a sad story, mm-hmm. but I can assure you that there is still future because if we realize our mistake and go back to the drawing board, we can relaunch ourselves and we can still go out there to create. And I, I think a, a lot of youth are actually realizing because you'll find out a graduate of, for instance, banking and finance after many years still comes back and go and learn tailoring and opens the shop. I remember when that went viral. Remember just, I, I would say in the 2000s, mid 2000s, when uh, we just saw a lot of people going into tailoring, a lot of go- that's, that's the reality and so much and, and all that. Well, vocational education or vocational education and training, VET, uh, also called career and technical education, CTE, prepares learners for jobs that are based in manual or practical activities, traditionally non-academic and totally related to a specific trade, occupation or vocation. Hence the term uh, in which the learner is, you know, the person uh, getting all of that. So um, again, if we look at it, does um, government promotes education that is targeted towards skills is another question. And then when we look at rising unemployment, it, it makes us to reassess what we've been doing previously, vocational and technical tra- uh, training. How much commitment would you say that we've made? Who are the stakeholders? Who are the people uh, responsible for this? And uh, the truth of the matter is that we have performed dismally. The commitment have been very, very dismal. Um, it is a very intensive program. <clears throat> it is very, very hands-on. Uh, yep, but I can assure you that what we need to do uh, is to make the sacrifice. Mm. Um, we have not done well 
uh, I don't think any state in this country have done enough for technical education. In fact, I was going to say, not uh, governments, both state and federal, are, are guilty and complicit in this. The, yeah, because even in the federal schools, the unity schools are not any better. Mm. Um, I, I have visited a few of them, and I, and I take interest. I want to see your workshop, the wood workshop, the mm -hmm. metal workshop, um, and all those. There is virtually nothing to write home about, but that is the way to go. So it's very frustrating. It's very painful. Um, if you meet anybody that went to Butex, he speaks to you with a lot of nostalgia. Hmm. You know, because a lot of them told me, I met one uh, not too long ago, and he said by the time he graduated from five in Botex, he had five appointments. Hmm. He never wanted him. Uh, he wanted to go to about five in different places. And this so his dilemma takes was, was simply the dilemma of choice. Hmm. Where do I go to? He went somewhere, spent three months, and he ran back there. Now, those are the things. How comes that those people who went through the system and some of them mounted high positions in the educational uh, ministry never emphasized that that was the way to go. You know, you, um, so with just one boutique, I would not even recommend that we have one technical school in each geopolitical zone. No, no. we need a minimum. Every school should have the basic uh, rudiment of technical education, every single school. And I think even if it means merging the schools that we have, I think government has opened too many schools. And if they are to give quality vocational and technical education, they will not be able to do so. So even if it calls for merging the schools so that we can produce quality instead of quantity, uh, I would recommend that strongly. Hmm. True story. All right, let's open the phone lines now and let's get your view. Let's get to test the pulse of the people and know what their thoughts and opinion is concerning vocational and technical training. And we're asking you lots of questions this morning. Did and does your school curriculum promote skill acquisition? And has the federal and state government done enough to promote vocational and technical trainings? Do you think this can help bridge the unemployment gap? Is there dignity in labor for those who go into this area of specialization? And for parents to Yes, you know, how, what is the percentage of parents who are willing to let their kids go learn this handiwork? You care, parents, you know, I, I know back in the day, lawyer, exactly, doctor. Be, those are the lucrative kind of mm -hmm. white collar jobs. So I'll tell you I'm what, really, when I first see, got admission yes. as um, it to be to study mass comm at Marjorie University, I remember my mom not being happy about it. So I remember my father not being that? happy about it. And um, for the better part, they kept telling people I was studying law. It's just to cover up. Yeah, so you can exactly. imagine even for courses like this to go into this area of specialization, I can't. I cannot imagine, you know, because the mind state of the parents paying the school fees also matters. Exactly. We'll take phone calls now. Zero nine zero five five six 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 five nine nine. Hello. Hello. Please turn down the volume of your radio set or step away from it. I have done that. Awesome. Good morning. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you very much. My name is Patience. I'm calling calling from. Uh, All right, patients from Khan, welcome. Thank you very much. This matter is very close to my heart because I am a trained educationist. Mm. And I passed through NCA, I passed through the university to study education. But what we have obtainable on ground is appalling. Government 
plateau state in particular is living on past glory. Hmm. We used to know that education was top priority. Plateau state was among the top 10 states in the nation educationally. But now I doubt if we're among, well, I think we should be among the last five. Last five? Because, the, yes, if I am rich, how can you go to a government school? Every year, the colleges of education, the university department of education are graduating students. They are roaming helter skelter looking for work. And then there's none, there's none. But when you go to government school, go to the LEA, you will see that you will find a head teacher manning 500 students alone. They are short staff. Nothing is done that is enough to cater for these children. What we are facing security-wise, economically in this nation, is just the tip of the iceberg. Because if you take an iceberg concept and look at what is happening, we know that we are in trouble. Because the decay in the system is what is resulting to the insecurity we're facing today. And yet we have not learned. We are still going through the same process, even worse. You understand me? Mm. If you look at it now, the worst of the worst are the ones being pushed to the education sector. If you fail, your result is not so good, just go to college of education. But that is not what it's supposed to be. For some graduates, two one, they're supposed to be given priority. So up the level, but when government is not paying the teachers enough, look at the federal teacher scheme that they are doing. Contract for two years, you'll be paid thirty thousand naira monthly in this economy. What do you want them to go and teach them? So it's better to cycle people in contracts for two years to teach no continuity. The same problem Nigerian government is facing that inconsistency in policy and management of the nation is the same thing that is happening in the, 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 the school. Mm. If people are supposed to go from grade one to grade five or six. So that means if this teacher circulates uh, is changed every two years, they are losing touch. Okay, they will now have to start to understand their new teacher. The new teacher has to not understand them to now start building all over again. If their method of teaching from the preacher to the present is different, it's another ball game entirely right. for the children. How will he now start understanding which is the slow learner and all what not? Mm. Vocational institutions, UTEC, my brothers, two of my brothers went through UTEC and I'm very proud of who they are today. Mm. Thank you, so Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We will be stuck right where we are. It's not worth All right, Patience, can I have your full name? Patience, please spell it for me. Or can you find me on social media? On Facebook, you can find me. I would like to connect with you on Facebook, please. No problem. All right. If you can do All find right. me, thank Zoe you so Machunga. much. We appreciate your time this morning. Zero nine zero five five six in four places nine nine. Hello and good morning. Hello, good morning. Thank you for calling in. Thank you very much. My name is Sadiq Kumar. I'm calling from Tichanti. You're welcome, Sadiq. Go ahead. Actually, vocational and skills education is something that is very, very important. But Nigerian and Pakistan in particular, 
have left or have left it behind. Seeing how we have seen, not even talking at the secondary school level now, let's look at the higher institution. You see a graduate, an engineer, let's say a mechanical engineer that graduated from the university. When he drives in his own car, and the car unfortunately stopped with a problem of a block, he cannot even change it. And he's the one that graduated from that, that means that the lack of the practicals there. And if government knew they are having the excellent practical in every aspect of education, I think we will not have a high level of uh, unemployment in our community. Anybody that graduated can be able to create what he have learned from. For example, now when we take uh, this issue of uh, engineers that we have, we see that they will be able to create something that they want themselves. They will be able to manufacture some development. In our country, now those that are creating this automobile, they, are, they also have learn from their, their education. Look at the level of education in China now. And the primary schools now, all these laptops and some enhancers that we are using, the primary schools and secondary school education that are making in, in China, that's the level of practical. So if government applies the issue of practical and the level of practical in our education, is going to help seriously. And not only government, the NGOs also, because we have private education. If we have the private schools, whereby no matter how the expensive it is, if you know that your student will gain the knowledge of the theory and the practical, you will take your child there. But, we, but the government are not improving that. Even some local practical like in physics and chemistry in our secondary school, they don't have it. You see a person that graduated from forestry, he cannot make a farm or he cannot go and supervise a farm in their village. It's very, very unfortunate that means he did not have that practical. But doing that, I think it's going to help in government. You both have spoken well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Sadi Kumar from TTNT Junction. Hello, good morning. Good evening. Good, good morning. <laughs> good morning <laughs> to you. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome uh, to Let's am, Talk. Uh, okay, I'm a, be calling from Kangang. Thank you for calling us from Kangang. Please my, address your my, concern my, and let us know your name. Yes. My, my name is Gundi Gundi Gundi. All right. Yes. My son finished Universal of those. I'm a student to any 15,000. Hmm. He finished a university job. He, he got second class with, with education and planning. When they were making recruitment, employment for lecturers, do you know that second class got the employment more than second class upper? And the fish education there told me that he, I don't know why he, he don't know why he should go to school. Hmm. I still get eighteen fifteen thousand after but this boy I send him to school in his university is able to Africa not look at the thing in a way. You know he's at home now. Hmm. If this boy can't come tomorrow or today, who are we to be blamed? Thank you. 
Thank you so much. That's a major concern for every parent mm. out there after paying so much through Money. the university. Exactly. This takes us to um, one question that's been on my mind since uh, difficulty having connection that is connect, connecting between the industry and the need for the students that is the technical vocational students that are being churned out. Are there industries to absorb them into? Because we see a lot of um, Nigerians, they go abroad to get technicians for everything we do. We see foreigners, you know, taking control Import of all of these places and, of and, you know, bringing expatriates in. So is, are there industries to absorb uh, these students when they graduate from these schools? Well, um, you know, it's a two-way thing. Mm. Uh, I won't say the industries are there because uh, if you look at the numbers, they are declining. Even on the plateau here, mm. uh, our, the, the companies that used to be here, even just in the 80s and the late 90s, are no longer here. So the industries, uh, it's, it's a challenge. But technical education being functional education, um, people don't need to scramble you know, for the industry. Once you are good, people look for you uh, wherever you are. It is one aspect of education where there is not a lot of, uh, you know, the nepotism that we talk about today because you have to be good at what you are doing. The so, sales will single yet, you out. Uh -huh, in Hausa, uh, they have a proverb that says, Yabongweni, Yazumadole. So if you are not good, you are not good. Mm. And, and so, but the reason we have this much nepotism in our system is that uh, when government is employing, they don't really interview. You know, people sit at home and the appointment letters come to them. They just take a look at your credentials and hand it over to you, mm. um, you know, and things like that. We interview here in the beautiful gate, and for long, we've not gotten any ready-made graduate that can fit into what we do. So what we do over the years is we train our people. We hire people, secondary school leavers or even school dropouts, and we take two, three years training them before absorbing them uh, into the system. There is nowhere. We've not got any good graduate that is excellent in welding. Yep. So uh, the, the, the jobs, the companies are dying all over this country. You go to Kano, go to Lagos, go to Portacot and River State, the Michelin's of this world, the Dunlop tires are fizzling out. But, um, and if you look at the factors that push them out, there are many, they are varied. And uh, so let's, you know, do much less now that we realize the problem i think we've always realized the problem mm -hmm. what has la been lacking is the commitment uh there has been too much of lip service and uh, i think we need to put an end to that we need to really agitate you know so that we can push our people through the education that will serve us and, 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 and serve. The, we must build this nation by ourselves. Mm. You know, it, it hurts me when people say we should pray, pray, pray. And I, the big question is, has God ever come down to build any nation? Of course not. You know, even the great Roman Empire, they, they, they were built by the Romans. And that's why the, the Holy Book says, pray, walk and pray. Now we have over prayed and we've done and, not and faith without work yep. is dead. Yep. Is dead yep. So I, I think uh, it's about work, work, work now. I once heard this snide about you. It can be, okay, let me not say it since it may be snide. <laughs> I think I think you should share it. Share Don't me. worry. Let's let it slide. Now let's look at um let's look at 
um, vocational education and training as it concerns persons with disability, how much of an impact is that having uh, among persons with disability? Well, or how um, much of an option is it for them, seeing that our secular education does not have a place for them? Anyway, uh, I believe the people living with disabilities can do just anything. Yeah. So um, it is part of the, you know, the the the, the discrimination as such. I remember I went to University of Jos when I completed uh, secondary school. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I appeared, the lady saw me and said, I now studying special education. Mm-hmm. And I was very angry with her. And I, I actually wanted to do special education. Mm-hmm. But when she made that statement, I changed my mind. I wonder why she condemned me to special education mm-hmm. simply because I was a person living with disabilities. And, I'm, and I, I, I changed my mind and I picked up a different challenge. But vocational education and persons with disabilities, you know, we believe, those of us living with disabilities, and I'm sure society generally, that there is ability in disability. disability. Now, this ability that lies in disability is only, you know, but a potential ability, meaning that unless it is discovered, groomed, and harnessed, it may not be beneficial to anyone else. And so, um, for persons living with disabilities, all they are yearning for is to have the enabling environment where they can put their abilities to work and that their talents can be showcased and then they can contribute uh, to their self-sustenance and also the nation-building process. So yes, um, persons living with disabilities are in their need of vocational and technical uh, education, just like everyone else. Um, the, the form of training that goes around in some of the vocational training centers is actually nothing to write home about. For instance, if you are teaching tailoring, um, Moreneke talked about the poor pay in the system. Mm. If you want to hire the best tailor in Jos and put him in a vocational center, how much salary do you think will be that. adequate for him? Mm. Because you can sew one cloth for 25000 and the minimum wage is about 30000 Yeah, you know, for 30 days. So you can never attract the best to those vocational centers. Mm. So what you find in the centers are people who are way down mm. and they, there is no retraining. And for tailoring, styles change year in, year out. So if you were trained in the 70s or 80s, uh, your skill is no longer relevant today. With what we have in the fashion industry uh, The now. fashion industry has changed. It used to be keep Legos clean and all of that. <laughs> anyway, so um, we need to... So what I recommended was that these vocational training centers should be integrated. We should rather attach people with disabilities to train with experts in town under what is now known as community-based rehabilitation center. That way, they can train alongside their able-bodied counterparts and the people in society can patronize those training centers you day in, day out. Part of the reason that training centers, isolated training centers don't create impact is that there's no patronage from the outside world. So they bring a wool and teach you how to sew a baby socks, then they lose it and sew a baby cap and lose it mm. again. And so you don't really get to train for competition that way. 
All right. Let us also look at the concept of vocational education in correctional centers, prison, uh, and so on that is practiced in the Western world. Uh, we know that the Nigerian Correctional Service is saddled with managing the rehabilitation process of inmates. Uh, and one of the ways to rehabilitate them is also to engage them in, you know, life skills and vocational skills as well. What are the realities, you know, in our day? Um, yeah. Um, around the world, that is a wonderful concept. The uh, I don't know whether you've heard of Johnny Erickson Tada. Um, she has signed an agreement with the American prison system and she makes wheelchairs by through the prisoners and the wheelchairs go all over the world. They have come to Nigeria severally. Um, these prisoners while in prison have developed great skills, very, very great skills. And you know, somebody was linking crime and terrorism with idleness, which is true. Uh, it's believed that an idle man is the devil's workshop. And some of those prisoners have come out of their, uh, after their jail terms, and they're doing exceptionally well. So yes, uh, vocational training in correctional centers is something that has been done, and it is excellent. It can be done in this country. Majority of criminals are intelligent people. Mm. Right. You, you need to be intelligent to be a criminal. Mm. And so if you are given the opportunity, even in the correctional center, uh, you can put those smartness, those skills into work, and, and they can be really beneficial to society. All right. The, a nation's development is largely dependent on the skilled workforce. Uh, hence, of course, we need to reposition technical and vocational training. What would you have policy makers focus on? Anyway, I think at the moment, as far as vocational and technical education is concerned, we have an excellent policy on ground. The, the policies are there. Uh, the national uh, policy on education have clearly captured what we need as a nation. I wouldn't recommend that we go back to draw up policies. Mm -hmm. When I talk about going to a drawing board, it's not to draw up a, a new policy. It's to implement what we have on paper to the latter. Mm. All right. Now, uh, do you see technical and vocational education and training giving Nigeria a viable middle class? Because middle class drives development. So do we have, for example, quality teachers in that area, courses accredited, and then, like I said, the change of perception that technical education is for school dropouts. That is also very, very important. That mindset of go seek a job as opposed to you can do it yourself. And you know, I don't know how we can begin to change this approach because change begins in the mind. So I'm a graduate, government didn't employ me, industries didn't employ me, but when a man uh, who, who performs is given, you know, the back seat and the one with the paper qualification gets the job, it also, uh, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. But still, uh, do you see uh, technical and vocational training, you know, bridging uh, that middle, that, that gap and giving us a viable middle class? Of course. Um, in, in, in most countries of the world, mm. the middle class comprise of people who are regarded as the blue-collar workers. Mm -hmm. Now, in Nigeria, we were mistakenly looking for the white-collar job. 
the white collar job is for just a few percentage of the population. The greater majority of citizens of any country are supposed to be in the blue collar job, and those are the people in the workshops, those are the people in the construction industry, those are the people um, in the mining and all the other relevant sectors that will really push a country out of underdevelopment. Anyway, um, that is what we need to do. We need to get our boys, our girls into the blue-collar job. That is our hope. That is the future of this country. If we're truly concerned about unemployment, if we're truly concerned about job creation, then vocational education remains the So one how many people all. have you been able to employ, and how did COVID COVID-19 affect you? Um, you know, it is, it's, it's very unfortunate. Right now, we have 82 trained welders, trained in the beautiful gate. Mm-hmm. Um, our people have, you know, big companies have poached our staff over the mm-hmm. years. We have people working for MTN. And most of the people mounting the long towers that you see. The masks. Uh, the masks, yep, of some have been trained with us. We have people working with Julius Badger, with PW. One of them got a job with PW uh, about seven years ago. And as soon as he came in, after one week, his boss said, where, where were you trained? Which school did you go to? He said, I didn't go to school. I was dropped out. But I was working with Beautiful Gate. And said, so, can I get two more people? So from he beautiful. came back yep, from Beautiful Gate, yes. So uh, we're proud of that. We're, we're very happy. But uh, that is what the what can be done in our school system. Let me tell you something. Um, I have a friend. He's a partner. He comes to the Beautiful Gate every year. He went to vocational school. And his friend pursued academics up to PhD level. And when I visited them, he said, you see, my friend sees me as an illiterate, but he's always begging for money from me. <laughs> he collects credit and never pays back. Mm. Now, this one that pursued all the way to PhD, he's still having millions in students' loans that he has not paid. Oh, so he's going to live his whole life paying those loans. And this other gentleman that went into uh, the real estate uh, is, is a multi-millionaire and he's employing many, many graduates to work for him in his construction company. So how much support have you gotten from government, either state or federal, uh, in what you do? Um, zero. Unfortunately, uh, there has been zero support. Is that because they, they are not aware or there's no much publicity going on from your end, you know? Well, uh, it's, it, you know, I don't even know it's how to... It's the same interest we're, perhaps we're talking uh, but, about. But, but yeah, you yes. know, it, it's All like right. talking, talking about um, if, if we have interest, if we really mean what we say in these schools... We will take the right actions take and the make right the right action. moves. Yep. Nandam Weep on Facebook is saying technical and vocational education and training plays an essential role in improving the well-being of youths and communities. It increases productivity, empowers individuals to become self-reliant and stimulates entrepreneurship. Businesses are more willing to invest in a community with strong human resources. Vocational education consists basically of practical courses through which one gains skills and experiences directly linked to a career in the future. Emmanuel Waliki Zhang says, good morning. Our problem in Nigerian government is that they use the advantage of it to gain their political ambitions. Emmanuel Zhang saying good morning. Uh, let's talk about the topic is going to help, but the government cannot do just audio talks. Let the government consider to fight insecurity 
Because um, uh, terrorist attacks are too uh, rampant. Right. Okay, Abdul Aliyu Abdul is saying um, about technical and vocational training, our education or education. But the problem is that the governments are not funding the education system the way it should be because we as people have failed to ask our leaders the right questions and we're ju just dancing to their tune. Pam Zakaria is saying all the best for the whole youths and the country, but our problem is Nigerian in Nigeria. They use advantage of it to gain their political ambition. Polit uh, Principal Joseph is saying vocational education is key. Let the government give priority to it. This will go a long way in reducing the rate of unemployment in Nigeria. Thank you so much. This is what we have for you in the offing this midweek. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you here on the program with us, Mr. Ayuba Gofwen. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Director, uh, Beautiful mm, Gate, yeah. Handicapped People, People Center, Center Joss. And uh, this is what we have for you. Like we just said, we hope you have gotten some good education, information, and entertainment. Do have a beautiful Thursday. Wednesday, I beg your pardon. <laughs> up next comes News Top of the Hour. And after that, the Midday Show with Ogidibo. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to JFM Podcast.